Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rob Scheinberg, Rabbi of United Synagogue of Hoboken, New Jersey. This week, I have the pleasure of learning with you Masechet Sukkah, pages Mem Vav to Nun Bet, 46 to 52. And today we're learning Daf Mem Vav, page 46, A and B. Today's Daf includes an extensive discussion of blessings, blessings for dwelling in the Sukkah, for using the Lulav and Etrog, and also for the Hanukkah candles, giving us an opportunity to see how these blessing traditions have changed over time. Our daf begins by quoting a relatively long breita that includes some discussion of the brachot for the various rituals of Sukkot. Hauseh lulav le'atzmo, omer, baruch shehecheyanu v'kiemanu v'higiyanu lazman hazeh. One who makes a lulav should say the blessing of shehecheyanu, the blessing we associate with special occasions, like doing something for the first time in its year or in its season. Blessed are you who has kept us in life and sustained us, enabling us to reach this season. Now, parenthetically, you may know that contemporary practice actually does not encourage reciting a blessing when assembling a lulav. But this will not be the last time on this stuff that we have a reference to a liturgical practice that is no longer practiced. We continue. Uh, One who takes the lulav with the intention to fulfill his obligation with it should say a typical mitzvah bracha. Uh, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to take the lulav. And even though one recites the blessing on the first day, one continues to recite a new blessing each and every day. And now we hear about blessings for dwelling in the sukkah. One who makes a sukkah, one who builds a sukkah, recites the blessing of shehecheyanu, the blessing for special occasions which also actually is not contemporary practice. And one who enters the sukkah to dwell in it, one who enters the sukkah to dwell in it recites the blessing who sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to dwell in the sukkah. And one who enters the sukkah on the first day recites this blessing and does not need to recite any further blessings on dwelling in the sukkah over the course of sukkot. And parenthetically, again, this is very different from conventional Jewish practice today, but but stay with us. We then have some discussion of whether there's a contradiction between these two principles. With regard to the lulav, we read that there's actually a good explanation for why yesterday's page said we should only say one bracha for the use of the lulav during the entire holiday, while today's page includes a brighter that says you recite a new bracha each day. Well, the resolution of this contradiction is that the previous page was talking about the period when the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, was still standing. And at that time, the use of the lulav on the first day of the holiday actually was a mida oraita, a Torah-based commandment worthy of reciting a special bracha. So really, the real question is about the sukkah. How could we have been told on the previous page that one recites a new blessing every day upon entering the sukkah and 
This page, today's page, suggests that one reciting just one blessing is good for the entire week. And so the answer is Tanayehi. Actually, this is not a contradiction so much as it is a disagreement among Tanaim. There are some Tanaim who say blessings need to be recited repeatedly for repeated actions, while other Tanaim say you just need to make the bracha once. Case in point is tefillin. As we may know, and as is very relevant for this passage, in Talmudic times, tefillin were worn all day, but they were removed when one would go to places that are impure, like outhouses and bathhouses. And some of us may be familiar with a famous story about Rabbi Judah the Prince, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, as he approached death. It's a story found in Masechet Ketubot, page 104, which focuses on this detail of how he had to repeatedly remove and put on his tefillin over the course of his day. And this story promotes sensitivity to people with overwhelming illnesses. So even though today most Jews, almost all Jews who have tefillin as part of their practice, put on their tefillin only for the morning prayer services. To make sense of this passage, we need to remember that tefillin used to be worn all day. Titania, tefillin, kol zman shemanechin mevarech alehen divrei rabbi, v'chachamim omrim, eno mevarech ala shacharit bilvad. Rabbi Judah the Prince said that anytime one puts on tefillin, one recites a new bracha. But the sages say, one recites just one bracha in the morning, and that bracha carries forth for all the acts of putting on tefillin over the course of the day. Next, we have Al-Moraim lining up with the various Tanaim. Abaye says the law is like that of, of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince, the one recites a new blessing anytime one puts on tefillin. While Abaye's arch rival, Rava, says, actually, Halakha is like the Rabbanan, like the, the other rabbis, where one blessing suffices for the entire day. Then we have some eyewitness testimony, and students talk about what they saw of the practices of their teachers. Rav Mari, a grandson of Shmuel, said that he saw Rava saying a new tefillin blessing every time he would put on his tefillin over the course of the day. And similarly, he says, we have the practice of saying a new sukkah blessing each day. And the other rabbis confirm this is, in fact, the prevailing practice. Now, the next section is a discussion of the blessings for the Hanukkah candles. We learn about a practice, once again, not practiced these days, that it's not only the one who lights the Hanukkah candles who should say the blessings, but also one who sees the Hanukkah candles. And we're given the texts of these blessings. We are told that the one who lights candles recites, uh, recites the blessing, Baruch asher kishanu b'mitzvotav v'tzivanu l'hadlik ner shel Hanukkah. Blessed are you, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to light the Hanukkah candle. Before we go on, though, two notes about this blessing. First, in printed editions of the Talmud, the word shell in this blessing is in parentheses. This usually indicates that it's not present in a number of manuscripts, and the editors of the printed editions of the Talmud felt that this word probably does not belong, but they didn't want to actually remove it from the text. Now, the word shell simply means of, so there's no difference in meaning whether the word is included in the blessing or not included. But there are some communities, including most Hasidic communities, that insist that the word shell emphatically does not belong in this blessing, drawing upon the teachings of the Ari, Rabbi Isaac Luria, in the 16th century Tzvah. Some later Hebrew grammarians suggested that the word shell does not belong here 
but they give a different reason, and a linguistic reason. They said the Hebrew of the prayer book should be written in punctilious conformity with the rules of biblical Hebrew usage. And the word shell, even though it is a very common word in later Hebrew, the word shell actually never appears in the Bible as an independent word. Therefore, according to these grammarians, it doesn't belong in the text of the prayers at all. In some Sidurim, the blessing reads actually, Lahadlik ner shel Chanukah, combining the word shell and the word Chanukah into one word, because this is a usage that's found in the Bible. If you don't believe me, check out the book of Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 7. Well, now that we've gotten the grammatical issue out of the way, there's also a more substantive question to be asked about this Hanukkah candle blessing, which the Gemara then goes on to ask. What do you mean, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to light the Hanukkah candles? Most Jews know that not only is the holiday of Hanukkah much later than the Torah, but the holiday of Hanukkah is actually not mentioned in the Hebrew Bible at all. It's our first significant post-biblical holiday. So how is it possible to imply that the lighting of Hanukkah candles is a fulfillment of God's mitzvot found in the Torah. To this question, the Gemara gives two variations on the same answer, citing two biblical verses. One is lo tasur, do not depart from the instructions given to you by your teachers and leaders. And the other is ask your father and he will tell you, ask your elders and they will say it to you. In other words, carrying out Jewish traditions, even post-biblical Jewish traditions, are considered to have the same divine source from the Torah because of the Torah's instructions that we follow the instructions of our contemporary leaders. So therefore, using the words, Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvotav V'tzivanu, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us, is still appropriate even when we're talking about post-biblical traditions. All these discussions on today's page of liturgical practices remind us that even though the rules of recitations of blessings like the Hanukkah blessings and the Sukkot blessings may come a second nature for many Jews today, all these Jewish liturgical practices were still in a state of flux during the Talmudic era. This can be an appropriate reminder to those who would imagine that Jewish practice has always remained exactly the same since time immemorial. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.